Well, hello, friends. If I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. Like Wendy said, I'm the creative pastor, and I'm so excited and expectant to be here. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited for those of you who are watching at home. I believe that God is going to move, and I have an expectancy that he's going to move in your heart. So this week, I was remembering back to when my wife, Kristen, and I first started dating. This was back in, I believe, 2012-ish. And the question that people wanted to know when I told them that we were in a relationship is, are you guys FBO? Are you FBO? If you don't know what that means, that means, are you Facebook official? Is your relationship status being broadcast to the world wide web? Have you told your 1,492 Facebook friends that against all odds, you have indeed found someone who's contractually obligated to go to the movies with you and laugh at your jokes even when they're not funny? Are you FBO? And thankfully, this isn't as big of a part of culture as it was back then, but for a while, this was the thing that people wanted to know. What is your relationship status? Or another way to say it is, how are you choosing to define the relationship that you find yourself in? And what it made it all the more interesting to me is that you could fill your relationship status with any plethora of different status updates. You could say that you were single, or you were in a relationship, or you were engaged, or you were married, or you were divorced, or you were widowed, or you were in an open relationship. Or if you really wanted to confuse people, you could set your relationship status to my personal favorite, which was, it's complicated. I'm in a relationship with such and such, and it is complicated. Anybody remember this at all? You know that status. Okay, four of us, we're going to forge forward as if this is common knowledge. But uh, I had two friends. I kid you not. They dated for a while, and every time it felt like they got into a conflict, they had any argument whatsoever, they changed their Facebook status to, it's complicated. And much to their dismay, it didn't make things any simpler. just made it more complicated. I have a theory, and I feel like it's complicated should just be assumed about every relationship status. So you could say, I'm single, it's complicated. Yes, that checks out, I get that. Or I'm in a relationship, it's complicated. Yep, that checks out too. I mean, anytime two autonomous, broken, insecure, selfish people try and find a way to live life together, it's bound to get complicated. Or how about this one? I'm married and it's complicated. Yep, that checks out too, that is true. Anybody wanna to attest to that? Actually, don't put your hand up in the air, that's gonna make it worse for you but it's complicated. Relationships are complicated. And, and not just with people either. Relationships, if we're really being honest with God, are complicated. I can't speak for you. And I have my fair share of awe and gratitude and just like wow towards God, but I also have a fair share of frustration that comes in moments. Because I don't always understand the decisions that he makes, and it's complicated having a relationship with a God who answers some prayers yes and others no, even when I feel very strongly that no is the wrong answer. It's complicated. It's complicated trying to figure out how to navigate a relationship with a God who's triune, he's three and one, he's one and three, he's alpha and omega, he is a creator, he is a savior, he is a judge. He is a defender, he is a warrior, he is a healer. That's a lot of different layers and it's complicated to figure out how to actually be in relationship with such a profoundly beautiful God. 
And this is actually, this, this complexity is one of the reasons why Jesus actually came. Did you know that Jesus didn't just come to save us? He actually came uh, also so that we could see and understand the relationship that we're being invited to have with God. He's saying, yes, God is creator, he's omnipotent, he's sovereign, he's healer, he's judge, he's all-powerful. And yet, when Jesus teaches about God, there's one thing that resounded louder than anything else. There's one idea that Jesus emphasized and highlighted and repeated more than anything else. 189 times, just in the four gospels alone, when it comes to God, what Jesus wanted you to know above all else is that God is a father. God is a father. And we can trace this idea through the gospels. It is everywhere. And this is something that I learned from Pastor Louis. He actually, Louis Giglio, not like we're first name basis or anything like that. But he said, even if we look at the core text of scripture, I mean, even think about the Lord's prayer. Like this is the template for prayer, the roadmap of prayer. This is how you're supposed to pray. It starts with two simple words. Maybe we know those two words of the first two of the Lord's prayer. Let's say them together. Our Father, not our Lord, not our judge, not our defender, but our Father, our Father who art in heaven. And it's almost as if Jesus wanted us to have a little reminder baked into every prayer that we pray that we've been given a new name, we've been given a new relationship status with God, and we are, in fact, a child of God, our Father. This week, I've realized I pray a lot, and I say, dear Lord. So I've been trying to switch that, be like, Father. It says in 1 John 3, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And if that's not clear enough for you, it says, And that is what we are. Friends, we are many things. We are new creations. We are instruments. We are ambassadors of reconciliation. We are overcomers. And yet, if there's one central idea that Jesus wants you to know, if there's one name that he wants you to fully grasp so that you can understand how the rest of them fit together, it's this. You are a child of God. And as we lean into this together, I just want to pray for us before we move forward. Holy Spirit, God, this is such a simple idea, and yet it's so profound. God, that when you look towards us, that you have the love of a father, and not just any father, a perfect father. God, you are the fullness of what father is supposed to be. God, you are the model to Jesus, as we look at this idea, this name that we've been given, that you have given us child, God, would it actually move in our hearts in a way that, that propels us forward, knowing that we have a secure foundation, that we have something that we can stand on, that we have a protecting God, that we have a God who would never let us fall unless it's to actually allow us to get back up with new strength. Jesus, you are a good dad. Help us to actually be moved by this simple truth today. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what this means for us in our day-to-day and the way that we treat people, God, in the way that we connect, the way that we are salt and light to the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You are a child of God. I want you to look at your neighbor. You might hate this. I just don't care. I want you to tell him you are a child of God. This is not optional. Even for those of you online, put it in the chat. Say, I am a child 
of God. Something happens when we tell each other these truths, when it's not just one person, it's collectively we're declaring that to one another. You know, this week I was realizing that this name is completely different from any of the other names that we're doing in this series. Because this name doesn't just describe who we are and what we were created to do. It's actually a name that simply defines a relationship. So it's not a name about what I do, it's a name about who I'm connected to. I am a child, but I'm not just a child, I'm a child of God. And what I realized is that when it comes to being connected to somebody, whether or not that's good or bad news has everything to do with our perception of who we're being connected to. You know, I was thinking about it this way. I wanna present two scenarios to you, two scenarios. I need you to lean in. This is two scenarios for you. So what if I told you that Pastor Grant and I had put our heads together and we had called in some favors and we had actually set it up so that you could have an opportunity. You at home, this is for you as well. You could have an opportunity to spend the entire day, the whole day with none other than God's favorite football player in the entire universe, Russell Wilson. So you're gonna get to start the day, friends, at Russ and Sierra's house getting breakfast. You're gonna get to meet the baby, little Wynn. You're gonna get to go to practice. You're gonna get to spend some time with DK and Bobby Wagner and Tyler Lockett and Coach Pete. If you play your cards right, you might just get a piece of his beloved gum from his secret stash. This is full access. If Russ does it, you do it. This is all in, all at our expense. This is going to be awesome. So by a show of hands, we got one amen. How many people would be at least slightly interested? I don't know. Okay, there's a few of us. Maybe that's not the perfect analogy for all of us, but imagine a person that you're like, yes, that is a great opportunity. I would love that experience. And just out of curiosity, how many of you are like, I'm not interested because I'm, uh, I'm rooting for a team other than the Hawks? Anybody? So security, these are the ones I was telling you about. If we can just have them move to the exits, then we can continue to actually do good work in here. So that's scenario one, all-inclusive day with Russ. In scenario two, and I'll warn you, it's pretty similar to scenario one, but you get an all-inclusive, intimate opportunity to spend an entire day with somebody to see how they do life and who they do life with. You get an opportunity that's once in a lifetime, and I'm talking all access, all day, We've spared no expense, but this time, instead of Russell Wilson, it's actually gonna be with the person from your workplace that drives you the most crazy. You get the whole day with them. It's at our expense, or maybe your expense, I don't know. You, you see, it's the same opportunity to connect. We're getting the whole day to connect with somebody to see how they are wired, to see what their life looks like, and yet one of them feels like a gift and the other one feels like a curse, it's just different, same opportunity, but everything about that opportunity is through the lens of how you perceive the person that you're gonna get connected to. And what I'm trying to show you is that when it comes to any opportunity to be in a relationship with somebody, it's only good news if that's somebody that you want to be in a relationship with. You see, having a father isn't necessarily good news, it's only good news if it's a good father. And today I wanna to do my best to simply just hold out in front of you and say, this is your father's heart for you. This is your heavenly father's heart for you so that you can decide how good a news this really is. And so here's my first idea that I wanna share with you. 
around the ideas God is father. God is a father who blesses his kids. God is a father who blesses his kids. So, you know, every child is born with an innate desire in their hearts for their father's blessing. You know, every kid, when they come out, they want to know three things. Daddy, do you see me? Daddy, do you love me? And Daddy, are you proud of me? And I've started to see this in my girls. I have two girls. My oldest is named Brooklyn, and she's three years old. And one of her favorite things in the world to do is to jump from our couch into a pile of pillows that we make. It's lights up her life. It's pure joy. It is just the best thing that she can think of. And here's what I've noticed. Before she does any jumps, this is the question that she always asks me. Daddy, are you watching? Daddy, are you watching? Daddy, 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 are you watching? Are you watching me, daddy? Daddy, are you watching? Are you watching? The other day I was watching the game on my phone and I said, yes, sweetie, I'm watching. I thought that I'd found the loophole because she hadn't actually defined what I was supposed to watch. She just asked, are you watching? And so said, yes, yes, Brooklyn, I am watching. And I figured that she would just go ahead and jump. But boy, was I wrong, my friend. Since my eyes weren't towards my girl, this is what she said to me. And I quote, daddy, I need your eyes over here, please. (laughs) And this is something that I've expressed to her countless times and so a part of me was proud and I put my phone down and I watched my girl light up as she has 10,000 times before she jumped at 12 inches from the couch onto the pillows and she was filled with such pride and as soon as she landed she looked up and she said did you see me (laughs) did you see it dad because she didn't just want to know that I was watching she wanted to know that I saw her that I was present in the moment, that I wasn't just uh, turning my eyes, but my heart was somebody was, was somewhere else. She wanted to know, did you see it? And so, of course, I said, yes, sweetheart. I saw it, and it was magnificent. You see, they don't want to just know, are you there? They want to know, are you paying attention? And are you proud of what has happened here today? Is what has just been shown to you acceptable in your eyes? And are you proud of me? And friends, this doesn't go away. This actually just grows with us. This this is something that all of us are paying attention to in the relationships that matter. This is what we want to know about our dad. This is what we want to know about our mom. This is what we want to know about our grandma and our grandpa and our coaches and our mentors and our pastors and the people in our life that matter. We want to know, do you see me? Do you love me? And are you proud of me? And in Matthew 3, we get to see this beautiful picture where Jesus is being baptized. And I'm just going to read it to you, then we'll actually look at it. And so uh, this is Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17. You can read along on the screens, or if you have a Bible or an app, feel free to pull those out. If you got one of those old school books with actual pages, that would be great as well. But Matthew 3, 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. So Jesus comes to be baptized. He's about 30 years old. He's just getting ready to start his public ministry. Comes to the Jordan River to be baptized. And when he does, the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and a voice from heaven speaks out and says what? This is my Son, not my worker, not my overcomer, 
not my ambassador. No, this is my, this is my boy. And there's one thing that I want you to know about my boy in him, I am well pleased. There's actually three things. I see you, I love you, and I'm proud of you. God wants you to know right now through this text and through this picture that your heavenly father doesn't withhold blessing, he gives it. He is a father who blesses his kids. And it's not something that we actually earn. If you are actually looking at the context of this passage, it's important to notice that Jesus hadn't done any miracles yet. This is before his public ministry. So he had not walked on water. He had not done the feeding of the 5,000. He had not died for the sins of the world and been resurrected from the dead. He hadn't done anything miraculous that we know of that's been accounted for in scripture. And yet in this moment, before any of the miraculous, God wants the world to know that this is my boy. This is my son. And in him, I am not just pleased, I am well pleased. So I don't know if your earthly father was somebody who blessed you, but I need you to know when it comes to your heavenly father, when it comes to your Abba father, before you could ever do anything to impress him, he wants you to know that he sees you, he loves you, and he is not just pleased, he is well pleased with you. Second idea, God is a father who moves towards his kids. This is, a little scripture from Mark 10, uh, verses 14 through 16. This is in the message, but I just love the way um, that, that Pastor Eugene capture, captures this, this, uh, the essence of this story. So I'm gonna read it to you. It says, the people brought children to Jesus, hoping that he might touch them and the disciples shooed them off. But Jesus was irate and he let them know it. He says, don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. And mark this, unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. Then gathering the children in his arms, he, he laid his hands of blessing on them. So it's so important to see God blesses Jesus and then we get to see a picture of Jesus passing along that blessing to the children. This is God's heart for his children. It's also just his heart for kids. He says, don't ever get between them and me. I don't know what your relationship to your earthly dad is, but I need you to know in this moment that you are not an inconvenience to God. The disciples were thinking, Jesus is in the middle of a teaching. We're gonna go ahead and we're just gonna make sure that nothing gets in between Jesus and the message that he's bringing out, the words that he's trying to say. And Jesus is saying more important than the words that I'm gonna say is the way that I'm gonna invite the children to come close. He says, there's nothing that can stand between me and my kids. So anytime someone or something tries to intercept or prevent you from moving closer to God, know that this is God's heart for you. Don't you ever get between me and them. Jesus is like a mama bear. His heart is to bring you close, to allow nothing to separate, to bless, to protect, to care, to make sure that you know that you are seen, that you are loved, and that you have his full blessing, full attention. What I love about Jesus is that he uses his power to move towards, not to create distance, but to move into the messes of our life. And if you are a child of God, what that means is that you have a God who is serious about making sure that you have access to him. If we're trying to get towards God and somebody's getting in the way, he's gonna say, don't you dare 
get in between me and my kids. It's God's heart for you. Third concept is that God is a father who's generous with his kids. So there's this story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15 about two brothers. And if you've been around church for a while, you know this story, but you also know that this story is like it. This is the clearest that I've ever experienced what Jesus' heart is for me. And so if you've never heard it before, I'm just gonna share briefly the essence of the story. And then we're gonna talk about a verse at the end. But this story is about two brothers and there's a younger brother and he actually takes a share of his father's inheritance. It's important to know in this culture, that's essentially saying, dad, I wish you were dead because I want the money that you're gonna give me more than the relationship that I can have with you right now. But his father gives him the money and he goes and he spends it on wild living. He wastes everything. He falls in every trap there is to fall in. He ends up on a farm eating out of a trough next to a pig. He hits rock bottom, he wastes it all. Meanwhile, while he's wasting it all, his older brother stays home and continues working and following the rules. And at the end of the story, the younger brother again, who wasted everything, comes back home because he realizes what a mess he'd made of things. But instead of getting reprimanded by his father, instead of getting punished and berated, instead his father moves towards him, he throws a robe around him. He puts a ring on his finger, which means you're back in the family. And he actually celebrates and creates this massive party to welcome his kid home. It says he was lost, but now he's found. And at the end of the story, we see the older brother struggling to understand the father's heart for his kids. And in verse 28 in Luke chapter 15, it says the older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. So his father went out. So this is important. Father goes towards younger son, and now father's going towards older son, even when he refuses to go to the party. But he answered his father, look, all these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, won't even say his name, when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you killed the fattened calf for him. And then verse 31 is what has really struck a chord in my heart this week. This is his response to his son who refuses to come close, who refuses to stay outside of the party. He says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Friends, this might be the most beautiful line I've ever heard. I don't know how it hasn't just absolutely rung out in my ears when I've read this story before, but it sure did this week. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. I'm not withholding anything. Even if you've made a complete mess of your life, even if you have wasted it all and you're coming back groveling, thinking that I don't deserve any of this, this is the Father's heart for you. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. Even if you are frustrated with God and you are refusing to come into the party and you don't understand his heart in this moment whatsoever, you don't understand the decisions that he's making in your life, this is still his invitation for you and his heart expressed in its most simplest form. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. This is God's heart for his kids. 
you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Can I get 15 people to say amen? amen? The good news of the gospel is that we do not get what we deserve. We get exceedingly and abundantly more than we deserve. What we get from God isn't because of what we've done. It's because of our relationship status with him. We don't receive an inheritance. We don't receive a salvation because we have been good. We receive it because we're God's kid. Because our relationship status is child of God. And one of the challenges, though, of being a child of God is figuring out what it looks like to live when that's true, even though everything that we've experienced in the world is so counter to the way that God chooses to treat us. James Smith in his book, The Good and Beautiful God, says it this way. He says, when every person in every situation in every day of our lives treats us based on how we look to act and perform, it's difficult not to project that onto God. So saying the fact that we spend our entire lives entrenched and saturated and only experiencing relationships where people treat us based on how we act and looked and perform, it makes it exceedingly difficult to understand that our heavenly father does not do that. He does not give us what's fair. He gives us what's unfair. He is not looking for your effort. He is looking for your worship. He is not looking for your striving. He just wants you to know that whatever you've done, there's nothing that can get in between him and you. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of a father. In Romans 8, it expresses it this way. It's a famous verse, but it's just worth repeating and getting in front of us again. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow, nor even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. You have a father who wants you to know whatever you've done, no matter what you're doing and no matter what you're going to do, there is nothing that can separate you from God. If something's trying to get in between you and God, he says, don't you dare get in between me and my kid. And you might think that God is waiting silently to punish you, but you need to know that he's waiting with the utmost anticipation, scanning the horizon, waiting for that moment where you realize what you're eating is right next to just pigs. You've settled for too little and now it's time to come home. And when you turn, when you realize the essence and the generosity and the beauty of your father, when you start to move towards him, he is going to be there with a robe and a signet ring that signals that I am back in the family and he is gonna throw a party like you've never seen before because what was lost is found. He wants to express his great love for you because he's generous to his kids. My final idea is this. God is a father who takes great joy in his kids. This has been the hardest one for me to, to fully comprehend. And this is the lesson that God's been teaching me these last few years as I've had the opportunity to become a father. And the other day after Brooklyn got done jumping into the pillow, she, she asked if we could play Tickle Monster. And so I transformed like I do. I did my little dance and instead of being just dad in front of Brooklyn, I was now dad, the tickle monster. And I got down on the ground with her and we started wrestling and I started tickling her and she erupted into laughter. And it wasn't sympathy laughter, my friends. I've heard plenty of that in my day and this was not it. This was the kind of laughter that comes from deep in your guts. I told my life the other day, I don't think I've ever heard a sweeter sound in my life than the sound of our girls laughing. 
So I just kept tickling her tummy for what felt like an eternity, and she was laughing like I'd never heard her laugh before. And a couple minutes in, I realized that I hadn't heard her breathe in a really long time. <laughs> and so I took my foot off the gas a little bit and gave her a chance to breathe, and she started looking up at me, and I realized that she was laughing so hard that her face had filled with tears. And she looked up at me, beaming with joy, and she gave me the sweetest gift with, with what she said. She looked at me, tears in her eyes, just beaming towards her father, and she said, that made my heart feel so happy. She said, that made my heart feel so happy. And she had no idea the gift that that was to me. I'll be honest, I got a little emotional when she said it because there's just something about hearing your kid's heart for you. There's just something about hearing that the relationship that you have is actually bringing them joy. There's just something about hearing that she's treasuring the moments just like I am. She said, that makes my heart so happy. And I was profoundly moved. Friends, I don't think you realize the gift that you are to God. I don't think that you realize the amount of joy that your relationship brings to your heavenly father. And I'm not trying to over-communicate our importance in God's story. I'm just saying, don't you dare underestimate the joy that God can receive from a relationship with you. You have a gift that nobody else can give to God. He loves his kids. He delights in his kids. He sings over his kids. And so when you say, that makes my heart so happy, it actually creates a visceral response in the Father heart of God. I think we underestimate the joy that God takes and knowing that he is loved by you. I don't think we see this, this is so hard. And yet it's so important for us to actually realize because I'm telling you friends, being loved by my kids is one of the greatest joys that I've ever had in my life. There's nothing like it. And I need you to know a couple things about my girls. They do not pay rent. They do not do their chores. They do not cook or clean. They have no marketable skills. And they've never, they've never done anything miraculous or remarkable that I have seen. And yet, in them, I am well pleased. My love for them is over the top. And it's one of these things where it's not because of what they can do for me, it's because of who they are. They aren't just my ambassadors. They aren't just my helpers. They aren't just my little chore people. They are my kids. Do we understand this? This is God's heart for us. He takes joy in his kids. And I want you to know this, even though this is hard for me to fathom in my heart, I know that it's true. The love that I have for my girls is small when compared to the love that God has for you. The joy that I get in my heart when my girls lift their hands to me is inconsequential when it comes to the joy that God gets when you raise your hands towards him and say, Abba, Father, I need you. The joy that my girls bring when they say, that makes my heart so happy. It doesn't hold a candle to the joy that God's heart gets when we say, 
we want to spend time with you. We love you. We see what you have done in our space. And parents, the love that you feel for your kids may be stunning, but it doesn't hold a candle to the perfect love that God feels towards you right now. You have been named child of God, which means when you wrestle with him, when you enjoy time with him, when you actually make the difference and actually declare over him, God, I am thankful and I am in this relationship and I see you in this moment. That creates a reaction that's visceral in his heart. It brings him joy. I think the most important thing I could tell you is that you are deeply loved by your heavenly father. He cherishes you. He wants a relationship with you. He is head over heels in love with you. And in his eyes, nothing compares to being truly and exuberantly wanted by you. You have captured his heart and his love for you is stunning. It's more than we will ever be able to behold. And if you had a dad who blessed you, if you had a dad who believed in you and loved you, if you had a mom, if you had a grandma or a grandpa or a coach or a teacher or a mentor who moved towards you in the messes of life, you should take this moment right now to text them and say thank you because what they did was they showed you the smallest glimpse of what your heavenly father's love is for you. And if you're somebody who didn't have that, if you're somebody who didn't have a father, or you had a distant father or a withholding father or a complicated relationship with your father. If you had a dad who failed to do and be what you needed him to be, I need you to know this. Scripture says that our God is a father to the fatherless. That means that if you are in him, that you have a father who wants you to know that he sees you, he loves you, and he is pleased, not just pleased, he is well pleased with you. You have a father who wants you to know that he is always with you and everything that he has is yours. You have a father who won't let anything get in between you and him. So when we move close, he will part the sea so that you can make that journey. And he wants you to know in this moment that there's nothing that you could ever do to make him love you more than he does right now as you sit in this chair, as you're driving in your car, as you hear this wherever you are. There is nothing that you can do to make him love you more than he does in this moment. If you are in Christ, the Bible says that you have a new name and that name is child of God. And yes, it can get complicated, but as we try to unwind and understand our relationship with God, know that there's one thing Jesus wants you to know about God above anything else and that that's that he's a good, good father. And you are a child of God and in you, he is well pleased. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, your love for us is striking. I admit I don't always understand it, but God, I'm thankful for it. God, I'm convinced that to the degree that we understand that we're loved by you, that's the degree that we're changed. That's the degree that we're empowered to do your work. That's the degree that we actually move out as changed people. So God, would you just reveal to us in this moment, if there's hard hearts, if there's, uh, if there's false narratives that exist in us, would you soften us so that we can receive the truth that you are a perfect father and your love for us is stunning. We don't have to do anything to earn it. Would that not just be something that makes us relax in the sense that we move away from your plan, but would it be something that empowers us towards your plan? 
God, would your love be the thing that profoundly moves us towards people because we can't help but actually share this news with others. God, we love you. All of this is for you. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.